Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, Casper, Vanessa, and Ariana. I'm Monica. I'm calling from Prague, Czech Republic. You asked about ghosting friends. Uh, so I have these two very close friends that I have known for around 18 years now. And we were very close for most of the time until around half a year ago when they both told me they were pregnant. Uh, none of them was planning to have children just now, but it happened and they're happy. I am happy for them. However, I have wanted to have kids uh, for uh, quite some time now. Uh, but unlike my friends, I met my partner in my late 20s and our relationship is still building. So I have to wait and that's okay. However, in this situation, I didn't stop communicating with my friends, but I'm seeing them less and less often and I'm avoiding speaking about their pregnancies if I can. I don't know if these relationships can survive my behavior at the moment, but I'm just so jealous. I don't want to speak about it and I'm not really sure what to do now, but I am the one ghosting and I'm not very proud of it. I'm excited to hear uh, to hear your thoughts. Bye. I'm Casper Kyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is The Real Question. We 
obviously, as always, want to thank our amazing patrons. We have some new ones, Katie M, Maya O, Fran S, Kavi M, Sophia C, and John Michael N. Uh, I've always wanted to have like a double first name, like Jean-Michel or Jean-Luc. I guess maybe I've always wanted to be French, but um, <laughs> especially hyped up by John Michael N. Thanks so much, everyone, for being patrons. We so appreciate it. And thank you to all of you who are not patrons and are just listening. We are so grateful for all of you as well. So Casper, Monica set up this question that I'm bringing today really well, although I'm not sure I even know what question I'm bringing. Much like Monica, I feel like I'm bringing a feeling of there are certain friendships that don't serve me right now. Hmm. There are certain friendships that either hurt me or feel like a drain on my time or feel like an obligation rather than a pleasure. And I talked last time, we talked about friend breakups, about someone who had really objectively done something to harm me. That was a question, right, of how, not what. It was how do I get this person out of my life in a way that, you know, is honest and forthcoming and yet not hurtful or vindictive. But this is more like, what do we do with the friends who we look at them and we're like, it's been five years since I've had a positive experience with you. And at what point do we acknowledge that? Or like, are we just continuing to fan that flame, right? And sometimes I think that I do it just because I don't, I don't want to hurt them. I don't, it's not even that I don't want to hurt them. It's that I don't want to be the bad guy in their stories. Mm. I I definitely resonate just with that experience of knowing that you're disappointing someone or like they're making it clear that they're disappointed in the state of the relationship, but at the same time, not actually having any personal desire for it to be different. Right. And it's this weird mismatching of desires where it's like, you want something that I don't want. And am I going to do it just because it'll make you happy sometimes? But then I feel annoyed at myself that I wasn't clearer about what I want and standing up for it. So I, I totally get this question. And it feels actually, in a weird way, more complicated than your first question around friendship. Because in that case, you know that you're going to end it. like Because you know harm, real harm has been done and something needs to change. And in this case, it's more like a misty, messy middle ground where like there's not a crisis, but it's a consistent kind of like annoying drone in the background of your life. And I just want to say, like, I have one friend in particular who handled this so well with me. My friend Kevin, who I love so much and is just like incredibly courageous and has a ridiculous amount of integrity. He had me officiate his wedding. He and I were incredibly, incredibly close in our 20s. And you know, he moved across the country and like we both got busy. And at one point we were on the phone and I was like, well, let's talk soon. And he was just like, love, let's admit we'll talk in a year and we will love talking when we talk once a year. And I was just like, okay. Right. Like, and yeah. you could tell it was a little more on my timetable that it had been moved to a full year. Mm. And he called me out, but like in this loving way, he was like, look, mm. like you're not going to call me before that. And when we talk once a year, we talk for three hours. And whenever mm. we're in each other's cities, we see each other and stay with each other. But we're just not going to talk more than once a year. And 
he was just sort of like, it's fine. I love you. It's fine. And it's when it's not communicated at all and is a downgrade that I don't know what to do. Let me ask you this, though, because isn't it also sometimes you just don't love that person anymore? Like, I don't think it's always just about the rhythm. I think it's also sometimes, at least in my experience, you tell me if this is true for you. Sometimes you just feel differently about someone. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I have really felt differently. And then like part of me is just like, well, maybe to everything there's a season. Like this person will come back into my life or will change back or. That's really interesting. I like that kind of seasonality metaphor because there are times when maybe, you know, we don't really feel connection or something's going on in a friend's life where we're just not connecting. But then a few months, a year later, maybe even a few years later, you come back into that relationship in a fuller way. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we kind of weathered that storm. So I guess there's another question in this question that I'm hearing, which is like, how how do you know if this is just a momentary dip or if it's like really a decline? Solve it. I know. And luckily enough, we have many more conversations, so we can keep exploring this. But in this conversation, knowing the two texts that you've brought, what feels like the right question to explore in conversation today? I obviously think that this question is about me and it's about to what extent am I comfortable disappointing and hurting people Mm. or when am I okay with it? Because what I want it to be is intentional. Yeah. I know I will disappoint and hurt people unintentionally and that is horrible, but like it feels not easy to fix, but clear how to fix. You apologize if you find out about it and you try to do better, right? And like, that feels clear to me. I think I want to become intentional about this group of people who I feel like I'm constantly disappointing. And I don't I don't know if I want to be doing it intentionally or if I want to step up. So when am I okay with intentionally disappointing people who've been friends? Right. Like, when am I okay? They texted me five days ago and I would rather watch Grey's Anatomy and like sketch in bed than call them. And that's just what I'd rather do. Do you mean like ghost them? No, respond eventually. Yeah. And like call for their birthdays and like. Right. I mean, not respond on their timetable. Mm. And I just need to acknowledge within myself that there are certain people for whom that's not okay with me, right? Like when my brothers call, there are certain people who I am not okay with missing a call. And I I would say that nobody in my life am I completely comfortable with missing a call. It like hangs over me. But should I just acknowledge and like do it on purpose? Be like, this is someone who I'm okay missing the call from. And calling them back eventually when I have time. But like, it's okay to do three Grey's Anatomy nights before I do that. So it's not necessarily that you want the friendship to end or that you don't want to be friends anymore. It's just like the closeness or the intensity of the friendship isn't going to be what it might have been. Is that right? Yeah, I think this is a great time to turn to our text. So the first text I brought is from the musical Waitress, which is based on the incredible film Waitress. Everybody should go see the film and then listen to the Two cast recordings, one with Sarah Bareilles and one with the original Broadway cast. Everything about this is amazing. But it's about this young woman who is a waitress and she's pregnant with a baby she doesn't totally want. 
and she wants to be a baker and like she can't quite make it happen. Her husband won't really let it happen. Her life is too busy to let it happen. She doesn't quite have the startup capital to make it happen. Mm. Like she just can't move on to this next stage of her life. It's not simple to say that most days And the line that I pulled from the song She Used to Be Mine is that place and its patrons have taken more than I gave them. It's not easy to know I'm not anything like I used to be. And that's what it feels like with certain people it's that it feels like they're taking more than I'm giving them and it might not be fair right it might be that I used to give them that and so they got Mm. used to that or that I in some way have communicated that that's what I want I'm not blaming them nor do I think that the waitress is blaming the patrons right like the patrons are asking for like water and orange juice in their persnickety ways but like they're not doing anything wrong but they are taking more than i am giving Mm. and i don't know what to do about that and it's not easy to know that i'm not like i used to be that i don't know i don't know if like the younger me was just like a people pleaser or a better friend and better person or it's just less busy. And I don't like talking about busyness because literally everybody is busy. Everybody is busy. So like that seems irrelevant, but it's not easy to know that I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not. And I'm tired of people taking more than I'm giving them. And it's not their fault. Mm. That's really helpful. That distinction, I think, because it's not malicious. It's not There's not changed behavior from these particular friends. And yet the impact has changed for you because your life has changed. And I'm curious if you were to think I'm not anything like I used to be, like how have you changed since some of these friendships were more central in your life? I mean, I run my own company, (laughs) like is one thing. Mm You know, until I started this company, I was either having jobs that I didn't really care that much about or I was in grad school where like your time is much more flexible. So you can like meet for lunch on a Tuesday. And I was like that until I was 35 years old. I had to be at my desk 40 hours a week, but I did not have 40 hours a week of work. So I would Mm. meet people for lunch or I would write them long emails And then I was like off work at five. And so I had time to meet up for plans and call people. And and now I work more and it's a company that I love and I'm traveling for work all the time. So a lot of my friends are spread all over the world. And I used to just like go visit them and have them come visit me. And now that I travel for work all the time, like the idea of doing an extra trip feels like not only an incredible amount of energy, but it's like stealing time away from the kids and my community here in Boston or my family. And so like, this is sort of a shallow answer, but like, I'm just busy in a very different way than I used to be. Well, you have commitments, you have responsibilities that you, that you didn't before. I mean, this is something that's always so interesting that 
in the data on happiness, like levels of happiness go down from your mid thirties for 10 to 20 years, in part, usually because parenting responsibilities, but also because of just greater responsibilities with work. And so some of the kind of easier, like, oh, let's spontaneously go see this production of something, or like, let's talk for three hours and have ice cream while you're on the other side of the country. That It's just not as possible to do. In that sense, I think your story is not an unusual one of a changing life pattern. And so changing priorities. Yeah. Something I think about a lot is I was at a wedding and I was speaking to this woman who is a generation older than me. And she was like, how do you know the bride? And I answered and I was like, how do you know the bride? She was like, you know, I don't know her well. Her mother and I were best friends in college. And now that all the kids Mm. are out of the house, we've reconnected. But I've sort of missed her whole life. But it's so nice to have her mother back in my life. And wow, I really judged it at the time. I was like, how can you call her one of your best friends? You haven't talked to her in 20 years. (laughs) You like missed her child's whole life. And now I'm like, oh, that's so nice. That sounds so comforting that like once the kids are out of the house and the company is more stable and whatever it is, I'll be able to reconnect with some people. But I don't want them to have been deeply hurt by me in the meantime. What was amazing about this woman was that it sounded so easy, easy and not intentional, but nobody seemed hurt by it. They were like, yeah, we lost touch and now we're back in touch. But there are these people who I'm like, but I'm going to hurt If I'm like, see you in 20 years. Yeah, I mean, that's really important to say. Like, it doesn't feel good. I mean, I've been that friend. I'm sure you have too. For sure. Where someone's life just changes and you don't fit in the way that you used to. And there's disappointment. There's regret. There's also, for me, a little bit of anger and like resentment, right? Like there's a whole cocktail of emotions that comes with that. And in some ways that is eased when someone is really clear about it. But sometimes it isn't like sometimes it's just even more like insulting where it's just like, I am ending this friendship. And you're like, well, screw you. Yeah, I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could have just left this, you know, to float away. And and I think, you know, like Monica's voicemail, when we're the person who's kind of floating away or lessening the contact, like we're aware that we are hurting people and it and it doesn't feel good. So I guess I, I just want to pause and take that seriously because- it's sad and it's frustrating and it it just doesn't feel good at all. No, it feels horrible. It feels horrible. And I, I feel like if you're going to completely ghost someone, I do think that we came to this conclusion in our last friend breakup episode. And I feel great about that conclusion that we came to that yeah. if yeah. I'm going to ghost you, I want you to know why and that it's happening. And I think ghosting often isn't intentionally cruel, but can be quite right. cruel. But it feels harder to say to someone, our friendship needs to go down a level a little bit. Yep. And they'll be like, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't know. Yep. I just maybe want to talk to you a little bit less. And Uh I still love you. And like maybe when I feel less stressed, we can be close again. But right now I'm stressed and... It turns out you didn't make the priority list. Like, it feels horrible. A hundred percent. I literally, okay, now I'm just going to hijack your question because please, I have a like professional colleague friend whose sibling I ended up hanging out with when we were hanging out together and like, I got on really well with him and that was fun. 
And then like somehow they invited me to hang out and it was actually just him. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is fun too. And then like it happened again and again. And by the third or fourth time, I was like, no, no, I really enjoyed you as like the sibling of my friend. I don't want to actually like be friends with you, but I can't say that without ending the whole trio of relationships, right? Like it suddenly gets so much more messy if you are going to be direct about something. That kind of clarity, I think, can actually sometimes introduce more confusion and more hurt than what I would want it to do. So I'm totally with you on that. And it also doesn't leave room for the high school friend syndrome of like, no, let's now be back. Like, we live in the same city again. We you know, whatever it is, again, great. That is one of the upsides of friendship is that they get to be fluid. Ooh, that feels really important because usually I'm always pushing for like commitment and clarity and like that's how healthy relationships sustain. But with this kind of relationship, what you actually want is ease and fluidity. And it isn't that sense of like obligations and like I know that I'm going to call you on your birthday and I know for your kids, I'm going to get a present when they turn three and like all of that kind of stuff. And even though it might not feel great for the friend who might still want commitment, you really want fluidity. And I'm wondering if there's something in this set of lyrics that helps us navigate that, both your own move from commitment to fluidity, but also withstanding someone else's disappointment in that move. I mean, I think the text just says, it's not easy, right? Like the text literally says, it's not (laughs) easy to know that I'm not anything like I used to be. And I'm obviously a lot like I used to be in some ways, but like I'm not in others. And I mean, like a lot of this is just middle age, right? Like I'm almost 40 and like I have children in my life who I have committed to and I don't want anyone to feel left behind by that. And it's not easy to know that I'm not young anymore, but I'm like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm just not. Mm. I guess what I'm feeling is like, what I need to be clear about is that within myself. Like, I wonder if Uh I have to like write out and reflect out, like, this is this friend and this is what I want. And like Ariana, I will do anything. I will drop anything, right? Like super easy. I want everything. And then like, you know, Joe Schmo 17, that's the number they were assigned in the catalog. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) I want to know what's going on with them. And like, if something once a year, yeah, well, and (laughs) if something really horrible happens, like I want to be there for them. Yes. But like, that's it. (laughs) And I think that maybe what I have is like a lack of clarity within myself. Mm, mm. Do you want to turn to our second text to explore that? Because that that feels like a really helpful, like next level to this question. Yes, let's do that. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Our second text is The Art of Love by Eric Fromm, and it is really a book that I read 10, 15 years ago that changed my life. I love it so, so much. And Peter is the one who recommended that I use it today. So thank you, Peter. Eric Fromm was a Jewish German philosopher. He lived from 1900 to 1980. He was a psychologist and a philosopher and a theologian. And this book is really about the fact that love is not a feeling, but it is about actions and it is about commitments. Mm. He talks about immature love and mature love and that it is only mature love when it's not at all about you, but is about the commitment of love. And so here is the quote that I picked. Love is a decision. It is a judgment. It is a promise. If love were only a feeling, there would be no basis for the promise to love each other forever. A feeling comes and it may go. How can I judge that it will stay forever when my act does not involve judgment and decision? Mm. What, what made you want to bring it into this conversation? I mean, it feels even better now that we've had this initial conversation of like, I made a decision in my 20s, right? Like I made promises to these friends. Even if the promises weren't explicit, my behavior was something that was consistent long enough that I think it implicitly became a promise. Mm. And if love were only a feeling, I wouldn't walk Rory in the snow. I'm committed to loving her. And that means walking her for an hour no matter how much I don't want to. <laughs> and so if I only did it when I was moved to, right? Like, or if we only took care of our children or our partners when we were moved to do it, we wouldn't be good at loving anyone. And so just saying this explicitly, right? Like a feeling comes and goes. So like maybe the way that I feel right now is just like that feeling went and like it'll come again. And the other thing I love about this is that it's saying one that acting as if you love someone, make sure that the feeling will stay forever, but also that you have to keep your promises because otherwise you're, you're not a promise keeper and then you're bad at loving. Mm. It's a very high bar. 
It's a very high bar. And it's all the more interesting because the part of the question you wanted to bring to this was the relationship in yourself. And so like, what does it mean to that sense of like your own clarity about what you owe and don't owe various different people in your life? I mean, I can justify what I just said of like, I need to be more intentional. Right. And so like, once a decade, I get to sit down and make sure that my love is a decision, a judgment and a promise and like make a promise. This is how I want to love throughout my 40s. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make judgments and promises like it doesn't mean that I have to do it forever, even though he's the word forever in this quote. So here's a question. In this piece of text, he says, a feeling comes and it may go. And I'm really thinking about that internal question, right? Of like, how do I know if I want to be close friends with this person or not? That feeling may come and it may go. When you sit down to make that list or decide, right? Like, who are the people that you're like, ride or die? And who are people that's like nice to have, but you, you don't want as close? You can't make that decision based on how you feel, I think is what Fromm is saying, because yeah. feelings are fleeting. So what are the criteria on which you make that judgment? I don't want it to be, have they been there for me lately? Like that feels wrong. Okay. There are times where relationships have to be more about one person than another. And I think that yes. that can legitimately go on for years, right? Like someone can have a bad 10 years. <laughs> And life is long enough and friendship is fluid enough. And all of that is true. So that is not what I want. That's really helpful. Like what else, what else do you know that it isn't? I know it's not, are we in the same phase of life? Hmm. I have much older friends and I have much younger friends and I don't want it to be like, well, you need to have two kids and be really busy with work. And only then <laughs> will you understand what I'm going through. Like, I know it's not that. Mm-hmm. Let, let me let me ask you this question, though. I remember knowing that I wanted to marry Sean, like when I fell in love with him. But I remember knowing it was the right choice to make when I realized he was kind. And I was like, whatever's going to happen, I feel this still, whatever's going to happen to us and life will throw us suffering and curveballs and shitstorms. And it has <laughs> already. And he's always been kind. And that just, that means everything to me because I can bank that. And who knows what the future holds, right? Dementia can change people and all of that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, that it feels as solid a thing as I could find to make that kind of marital commitment. Is there, is there something, a quality about the friends that you know are your ride or dies? Something that they have in common? I mean, this sounds horrible, but it's that they're cheering for me. I don't think that's horrible. I mean, it's very self-absorbed, right? But like, I'm cheering for my friends. Their successes are my successes, right? Like, I watch friends perform and like cry with pride. I love watching my friends be happy. And so like, that is one thing that I feel comfortable saying. Like, I need to feel like you are rooting for me. That's beautiful. So yeah, maybe it's that like 26-year-old Vanessa used to not know that that was important to her. And now it's like not easy to know this about myself, but like I have to feel like you're really on my team. 
I will say that one of the things I I love about you is how many rich friendships you have. And I think there's also just something that as we age, we learn to know what is a good friendship. And so we shouldn't beat our younger selves up for not knowing what that line was. Like it takes time to figure out like, oh, I don't feel you rooting for me. That's what's off here. And like, I like you, we get on, we have the same humor, we have the same interests, but like that fundamental piece is missing. And so I, I'm going to step away from this. I'm going to let this be more fallow. I think it just takes time for all of us to learn what that core piece is. I mean, I wonder if that is a feeling, right? Like, I wonder if it's true that they don't root for me or if, right? Like that's the risk in this. It's like, am I accurately diagnosing it? Like maybe they just show rooting in a different way. Me saying this is, is its own feeling, to use Eric Fromm's language, I, or that's the concern is that it's just a feeling that I have. But maybe that's something you can pay attention to, you know, in a couple of these relationships is, is just notice, like, are they rooting for me? And I'm going to look out for every way they possibly could be. But you're also, you know, you can trust yourself. I think. I just also want to acknowledge that like, this is a new question in my life. In my 20s or at various points in my life, I have felt like friends are a really scarce resource. Mm. And so I know that there are probably people who are listening who are like, I wish this was my problem that I was like, I have too many friends. And I just want to say that like, this was not always a problem that I had. And This is a virtue of the fact that I've had many jobs and have like met wonderful people at those jobs and have been to many schools. And I live so far away from where I'm from. And this is the fifth major city I've lived in, right? Like this is a virtue of a lot of things in my life. So I just, I want to make space for the fact that like there have been times in my life where I have felt very isolated and alone. And and to be clear, part of the reason that this question is so live for me is that I'm afraid I'll feel that way again. So I'm like, probably shouldn't burn any bridges because what about 70-year-old Vanessa? Maybe she'll be totally alone. She might need those friends, even the ones who aren't rooting for her. (laughs) Well, as long as I'm around, you don't have to worry about that. Thanks, love. Back at (laughs) you. Well, I definitely want to thank Adrian Shelley, who wrote the original screenplay and directed the original movie and was an actress in the original movie of Waitress. Everybody go watch the 2007 Carrie Russell movie. It's so weird and good. And then, of course, listen to the musical. But um, and then, of course, I want to thank Eric Fromm and Peter for reminding me about Eric Fromm. Well, I want to say thanks to Ruth Ann from Richmond Hill in Ontario, who shared this little piece of wisdom, which feels both strangely appropriate and inappropriate. She writes, sometimes the easiest way to say no is to say yes and just don't do it. (laughs) It's true. So thank you, Ruth Ann. (laughs) That is especially true with toddlers. Sure. No, it's never going to happen. No. (laughs) You've been listening to The Real Question. We can only make this show thanks to your support on Patreon. So if you have the means to help us out with a couple of bucks a month, please check us out at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. And if you love the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends on social media. And let us know. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Real Question Pod and on Twitter at The Real Q Pod. 
We are a Not Sorry production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, who's wearing a fabulous shirt today. Our music is by Nick Bull. We are distributed by Acast. We want to thank Monica for your voicemail, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Molly Baxter, Stephanie Paulsell, and all of our patrons. We are so grateful. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.